From Illinois Public Media News, this is 217 Today. I'm Kimberly Schofield. It's Friday, December 15th. Coming up, we'll learn about how support groups are popping up to help migrants who have made harrowing journeys to Chicago. That story in just a few minutes, but first, these headlines. The U.S. Supreme Court is again refusing to strike down Illinois' ban on semi-automatic guns and high-capacity magazines. Justice Amy Coney Barrett rejected, without comment, a gun rights group's request for an emergency injunction to block the assault weapons ban that went into effect earlier this year. But some gun rights advocates are still hopeful since the high court has yet to consider the full merits of the case. Rick Pearson is with the Illinois State Rifle Association. It is. The law was terribly written, poorly thought out, and then you have the Second Amendment violation, and who knows what else is in there. Pearson hopes the Supreme Court will take up the full case challenging the law next year. The law was enacted in response to the mass shooting at Highland Park's Independence Day parade in 2022 that killed seven people and wounded 48 others. The shell of a 30-foot-tall Minuteman missile stands alongside U.S. Route 45 in the Champaign County town of Rantoul. It marks what was once the western entrance to the Chanute Air Force Base. Now, the village is trying to decide whether to keep the aging monument or take it down. Jim Meadows reports. Whatever the outcome, it will cost money. The missile needs repair due to deterioration caused by a chemical reaction with the concrete that anchors it. And disposing of it is no simple job either. Lois Haynes is chair of an advisory committee for the village. That's the issue right now, is how much it's going to cost us to send it back or to even think of repairing it. The paint, the stencils, everything. The missile is on loan from the Air Force. Under its agreement, Rantoul has to pay for its upkeep R removal. Mayor Chuck Smith says the Air Force has been slow to answer questions about how to do either. I'm Jim Meadows. Four people found guilty of conspiring to bribe former Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan want a federal judge to delay their January sentencing. Dave McKinney has more. Last spring, a federal jury reached guilty verdicts against a group of former Commonwealth Edison executives and lobbyists. Now, their defense lawyers are pointing to a legal development this week that they say ultimately could reverse the outcome of their cases. The U.S. Supreme Court decided to review a bribery verdict against the former mayor of Portage, Indiana. The mayor's lawyers contend federal prosecutors never proved the bribery he was found guilty of involved an actual quid pro quo. The ComEd Group's lawyers argue the same thing in their cases and believe that's a requirement for conviction under federal bribery statutes. The first of the ComEd defendants is set to be sentenced January 11th. This is Dave McKinney. Governor J.B. Pritzker celebrated another milestone in the Rebuild Illinois program in Champaign yesterday. IPM's May Anthar has more. At Parkland College, Pritzker, along with members of the Highway Construction Career Training Program, marked the completion of the first phase in updating the I-57-74 interchange. It's something unusual in the country that we have it in the state of Illinois, and that is programs that are designed to get people into the trades many of whom never had the opportunity to get in the trades before. And we're doing it through our community colleges. Pritzker says the investment to rebuild the roadways not only benefits businesses, but working families, including women and people of color. Construction on the project is expected to be finished in 2026. May Antar, IPM News. 
Still to come, we'll learn about how support groups are popping up to help migrants who have made harrowing journeys to Chicago. That story is coming up next on 217 Today. Next time on The 21st Show, controversy around the director of the Illinois NAACP, a decade since a tornado left a path of destruction in Washington, Illinois, and our check of state and federal politics. I'm Brian Mackey with our Friday Reporter Roundtables next time on The 21st Show. Join us. This is 217 Today. I'm Kimberly Schofield. More than 25,000 migrants have arrived in Chicago since last year. Many carry the trauma of their harrowing journeys, but there's a shortage of mental health providers to talk to. So a parade of helpers is stepping up. Kristen Schorsch brings us this story. Jorge Rubiano is haunted by the threats against his life back home in Colombia, by being kidnapped for a month as he made his way to Chicago by not being with his mom when she got really sick. But for example, before you guys came, I was talking with my wife. And she had to cut the connection on the phone because somebody got on the bus and was robbing the bus. My colleague Manuel Martinez is translating. We're sitting on a bench outside a shelter where Rubiano lives with other migrants. He says he mostly keeps his stories to himself. But the stress and anxiety of everything that's happened to him, it's so heavy. He wonders if coming here was worth it. He says that he's had a lot of time to think about it, but that he's still stuck in this, these two difficult places. If he returns, there's the likelihood that he'll get killed. And if he stays here, he doesn't know what's going to happen. The thousands of migrants arriving in Chicago are fleeing what social worker Sharon Davila says is misery. Few jobs, little food back home. And for many, their journeys here were treacherous. Every single one of them had an experience that we would consider traumatic. They'll say like, oh, everything's okay, but I do worry that she saw me almost drowning. A preschooler who fell into the river and she landed on her back. And while they were crossing the bridge, where the current is the strongest and the waves were high. The mom is telling me, you know, and she's, the mom is pregnant and she's holding on to her daughter's hand. In other cases, women have paid to get from country to country, not just with money, but with their bodies. Migrant stories are unfolding across the city, but they have so many basic needs that taking care of their mental health just isn't a priority. I heard time and time again, people are in survival mode. They are desperate for work. Still, they carry their grief and pain with them. Laura Papa is a psychologist in Chicago. A lot of people were not expecting that, how hard it is on this side. You know, I've had a lot of parents who've come alone and asked themselves, you know, was it worth it to leave my kids? That's not necessarily something I can answer, but I can totally empathize with the pain. Papa came to the U.S. from Argentina as a teenager. She says for migrants, not dealing with their trauma could have ripple effects. Trauma can change the wiring in your brain and make you more vulnerable to depression and anxiety. It can pass down from generation to generation and affect your physical health. But there are many barriers to seeking help, if migrants even want it. One of them is stigma. 
Here's Papa again. There's a lot of taboo in our culture around mental health. Men are significantly less likely to disclose even negative mood, let alone trauma. Another barrier? The persistent shortage of mental health providers. Getting an appointment can take months. Then layer on being new to this country, speaking a different language, having no health insurance, and struggling to find someone who understands your culture. That's if you even know help exists. This is where an army of volunteers and others are filling in the gaps, including social worker Veronica Sanchez. It's a Monday night in the back of an insurance agency on the southwest side. Sanchez is about to lead a healing circle, a place where people can come to talk about how they're coping. Around 20 migrants pull up chairs. You can smell the dinner that awaits them, arepas and warm homemade chicken soup. On a scale of 1 to 10, Sanchez asks how the migrants are feeling. A woman says her husband was deported, and she's heartbroken she left her children back home. A man says he worked several days that week, but never got paid. Another says he is grateful to God for bringing him to America, but he misses his mom, dad, and brothers. Sanchez soaks it in. She listens, then offers feedback with a smile. She tells them getting a job and reuniting with family is important, but she's concerned about their mental health. She says the healing circle is a safe space where the migrants can share their emotions, despairs, and questions. That here, they won't feel so alone. Sanchez says creating community and connections can empower the migrants. She understands what they're going through. She's one of them. I was seeing the migrants' faces that they were so scared. I'm pretty sure my parents went through that same process of not knowing what was going to happen, not knowing if he was going to come back, not knowing if he was going to find a job, not knowing if he was going to have enough to send money back to us for us to survive. Sanchez grew up in Mexico, and her father left to work in the U.S. when she was four years old. She didn't see her dad for almost seven years, when he brought his family to Cicero. Many of the support groups, like the one Sanchez led, are temporary. Some volunteers get burned out from taking on so much. Migrants prioritize other needs, or the city moves them from place to place. There is a bigger effort underway that other cities have already asked to replicate. And this one has funding. Cafe Comunidad Charlas, so coffee and community, small groups. Amy Halado leads the Coalition for Immigrant Mental Health and helps spearhead these charlas. The coalition, along with other partners, has trained hundreds of people who don't have a medical background to lead these charlas, or support groups, in city-run shelters. These are case managers or outreach workers alongside migrants every day. We have to help people the minute they arrive, and that's actually going to promote healing down the line. One of the worries is the suicide risk among migrants. Back on the bench outside his shelter, Jorge Rubiano from Colombia says he tries to keep busy taking English classes. He's reading The Adventures of Tom Sawyer and The Call of the Wild. And he's looking for steady work. He longs for his family, for the chance to bring them here. Once there is a stable life he can offer them. Porque hay días en los que dices, no doy más, me voy. There are days where he's just like, I'm done, I'm leaving. Hay otros días en los que... And there are other days where he just spends a lot of time reflecting and he realizes that not everything is bad. Kristen Schorsch. And finally, in your forecast, meteorologist Andrew Pritchard says today will be mostly cloudy with a high of 53 degrees.
That's it for today. Two and Seven Today is produced by Stephanie Mosqueda. Reporting today contributed by Mawa Iqbal, Jim Meadows, Dave McKinney, May Antar, and Christian Short. Music by the Kilbourne Alley Blues Band. Reginald Hardwick is our news director. I'm Kimberly Schofield. Two and Seven Today is a production of Illinois Public Media. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and we'll talk to you again on Monday. Have a great weekend.